Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. We're so glad that you are here today, whether you're on site or online. And a special greeting to uh, the mothers in our congregation, as well as those who play mothering roles in our lives. So let's take a moment to greet one another. So if you're on site, uh, you can turn around and give your neighbor a wave and a smile. Uh, and if you're online, uh, you can type a greeting in the chat and our moderators will be there to uh, respond to your messages. So as we enter into the sacred time, please rise in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We are lost and we are found, and we are part of the family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are part of the family, but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. Let's remain standing and join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship. If I could rewrite your story of love for me I would not forget those moments of doubts If I could rewrite your story of love for me I would not erase those times of struggle Those moments of doubting myself and blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestled myself And you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me when you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope for you Write your story of love for me I would not forget those moments of doubt If I could rewrite your story of love 
for me I would not erase those times of struggle Those moments of doubting myself And blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestle myself And blame you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you When you touched me on my side When my eyes were open to you and so I saw that I was born free When you touched me on my side When my eyes were open to you And so I saw that I was born free Then I will remember When you became real to me when you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you I will remember I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away when you would not turn away I will remember I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you For you, you. For you Seas to where they rise 
Against the rush of grace descending From the source of its supply Cause in the highlands and the heartache You're neither more or less inclined I would search and stop at nothing You're just not that hard to find I will praise you on the mountain I will praise you in the mountains and my way You're the summit where my feet are So I will praise you in the valleys all the same No less God within the shadows No less faithful when the night leads me astray Wherever I stand 
shadows my song of ascent from the gravest of all valleys come the pastures we call grace a mighty river flowing upwards from a deep but empty grave I will praise you on the mountains I will praise you when the mountains in my way you're the summit where my feet are so I will praise you when the valley's all the same no less God within the shadows No less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is In the highlands and the heartache all the same Please be seated. And will you join me for a time of prayer? In Jeremiah, we hear God being described as the porter and we the clay. And this morning as we begin our time of prayer, I wanted to invite you, come in. Come into this time of breathing together with me, of imagination together with me, as we think about how God is molding us, how God truly is our porter. And so as you settle in, as you make yourself comfortable, let me invite you into this time. Imagine for a minute God sitting at the potter's wheel, hands wet with clay, forming you. There God is, taking time to make each curve and line special. Then God walks over to the kiln and fires you. Every unique element is now solidified in a finished product. But then, as God puts you out into the world, you get a little bit beat up along the way. First, small chips form. Then much larger cracks form as you age and grow and encounter more life experiences. Now imagine that every time God holds you, God rubs a th thumb over each crack and takes time to examine each chip. Then God stirs up a cup 
of gold adhesive and carefully repairs you. Crack by crack, chip by chip. And finally, God places you in the sunlight and watches as every chip and crack that God has made you. All those things that have made you who you are, sparkling and shining. So God, our porter, we come to you this morning. Some of us may feel broken physically, some mentally, some emotionally, some relationally. And God, you see us and you hold us, each one of us, carefully in your hands. And you're looking at every crack and every chip, every sense of brokenness that we feel within us. And God, you're doing your work of mending in our lives. Even in times when we may not feel it, even in times when we may not see, God, you are patiently, slowly mending us. And so, God, we thank you. And we pray for all those of us who feel broken at this time, that we will also be able to sense and feel and experience your mending in our lives. To realize that, God, you are putting us together, that all our cracks and all our chips, that as you put that gold lacquer adhesive over us, that you're actually making us more beautiful. And that all of it goes into making us who we are today and in the future. And so God, work with us as individuals and then work with us as community as well. Mend our cracks, our chips, some that have been there for many, many years, some more recent perhaps, but God, mend us. Even in this season, as we prepare as a church to go for our church retreat, we just want to give you thanks for how you've answered our prayers above and beyond what we could imagine. We were trusting you and praying for maybe 80 people to sign up for the retreat. And God, now we have more than 100 people who are saying, God, I want to set aside this time with you and with your people God, I want to grow. I want to go deeper with you spiritually. I want to be with this family, with this community, and somehow build relationships in deeper ways. God, help honor these desires, these prayers of our hearts, that even as we go for a retreat together, that it will not just be a one-off thing, but that it will spark and sprout something new within us, in our lives, in our walk with you, and also amongst us in our community, that it will spark your love and your grace and your work of growth in us as a community. And God, in this, at the same time today, we want to remember and to celebrate the mothers in our midst, the mothers in our lives, in our families, and in our community. 
all those who nurture and care for others, whether they may be biological, spiritual mothers, God, we give you thanks for each of them and for the love they've poured out into our lives. And we pray that like them, that we will be the mothering figures in many of people's lives as well, that we will grow to nurture others as we have been loved and as we have been nurtured, that this spirit of mothering will be a part of who we are as a community. That is not just about gender, but it's about your heart, because God, you are the mother hen who gathers your chicks in, who protects your chicks in every way possible, who loves us and who nurtures us each and every day. And so God, we thank you for giving us a community to journey together with. And we pray that this community will not just stay within whatever love that we give, whatever growth that we experience will not just stay within this community, but it will overflow from our lives, from our community, into the lives of many others in our society, in our world. And so God, help us be those kintsugi bowls who have been made beautiful by you so that we may be able to shine in our world today and may be able to draw others to you. May we truly be an anchor of love and a beacon of hope in our day and in our time, in this corner of the world that you have placed us, as we pray all this in your many precious names. Amen. Good morning, church. Join us in a time of singing as we sing of God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. This morning, may God's voice speak to you. Let's sing, I love you. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God I love you, Lord I love you, Lord For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Together we sing All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. 
Every breath that I am able, 
sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running up. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid out, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Together, one more time. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Good morning. Okay, that was for myself. <laughs> I actually muted myself. Sorry. So. Um, before we start today, there are a few things that uh, came on my mind and I wanted to share first because it wasn't tucked into our announcements and, one, and I see a few new faces just in case, right? Um, you heard in the prayer just now, Pauline sharing that we have 106 people going to our retreat. If I'm not wrong, 106, right? That will mean that a lot of you will not be there. Uh, well, no, a lot of you will be there. And... That means that uh, we are not having church service that Sunday in, on site, right? We have a, a recording and a broadcast. Uh, so for those who are joining online, um, the rest of us who are at the retreat will have a service uh, there, but it will not be broadcast through. So I want to let you all know so we don't get folks coming down um, on that 4th of June Sunday and they end up like, oh, the doors are locked. Don't know, I can't get it. You know, what, ha what happened and all that? So FYI, you know. And... Now, as always, uh, we use Menti for our, um, for, to craft out the sermon in some ways. And especially today, because I have quite a few questions, right? And I want to invite you to um, feel safe, um, feel that you're able to be vulnerable and explore and discover. Because the questions that I have put in, um, it helps you to go through the same process that I went through when I explored the passages themselves, right? And I explored the themes and the ideas that I had um, and in a very odd but very uh, God-led manner, Pauline and I have some ideas about very similar um, things that we wanted to talk about. Um, and I'm also reading a book from Bernie Brown and that has already also shed a lot of light and ideas into what we are going into the next sermon series, right? So, um, join us by scanning the QR code or go to fcc.li slash menti and join us, right? So, let's begin. 
So last month, Rabbi Miriam shared, um, according to the Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical tradition, that God's primordial light, this first light, created on the first day of creation, and not the, not the sun and moon, but on the, first, the primordial light, created on the first day, was placed into ten holy vessels. But alas, the, these vessels were too fragile for such a powerful divine light, and these vessels shattered. And the light escaped in the form of holy sparks scattered throughout the world. But that's not the end of the story. There is a charge for humankind. And Rabbi Miriam asks, why are we here on this earth, we, humankind, to find those sparks of light, those shards of broken vessels, and to gather them up and to bring them together and to repair the brokenness? Like Pauline and myself, the image of Kintsugi, the Japanese art of mending broken pottery with gold lacquer stuck with Rabbi Miriam. She described Kintsugi is the best, uh, image, best visual I can imagine for what those mythical, mystical vessels might look like after we have collected all the pieces scattered around the world. And while we often see God as the one doing the mending, we often fail to see that God is doing the mending through us. We have that calling to gather these broken pieces and to repair the brokenness. So today I'm going to talk about mending. And I want to ask you the very first question. In the, in the beginning, in the creation story, something else broke. What, other than the ten holy vessels, according to Kabbalah, do you think broke in the creation story? Let's invite you to think about it. The creation story in Genesis chapter 1 to 3, something else broke. Trust. Mm -hmm. Light, chaos. Mm. Invite you to think obedience, shalom. Getting close. Relationship, integrity, heart. Mm -hmm. Wow, peace. Okay, God's heart. Innocence. Thank you. I want you to think about it because we might have different perspectives of what broke, right? Um, darkness broke, well, okay. What I want to focus on is actually the relationship between humankind and God. Rabbi Jill Jacobs, whom Rabbi Miriam quoted in a sermon, said, Adam the first human being could have redeemed the world and restored the divine light to its proper place. However, when Adam ate the forbidden fruit, he and Eve were exiled from the Garden of Eden and what our tradition calls the fall of Adam. And Adam missed out the opportunity to do this much-needed repair work. Right? So I'm going to read from Genesis. But before I jump to the reading, 
I want you to have this question in your mind as you listen to the reading. The question is, at which point do you think that the relationship between Adam and Eve and humankind in general and God break? At which point did the relationship between humankind and God break? Hold that thought as I read. From Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 to chapter 3, verse 13. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. What followed then, of course, was the expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Traditionally, we are taught that Adam and Eve were cast out because they were disobedient. Right? They disobeyed God's command. Of course, there are other theories, you know, like how God was afraid that they would eat of the other tree, the tree of life, and become like God, and that's why God kicked them out. But today, I want to offer another perspective. Just like how my, pro uh, my theology professor, Reverend Dr. J. Johnson, pointed out to my class, how we hear God's question to Adam and Eve, where are you, is shaped by how we are taught about this passage, and how this passage has traditionally been understood, and how this understanding has been perpetuated around us. And more often than not, we learn this, this interpretation, through pop culture. The story of Adam and Eve, and really it's not an apple, but somehow we always thought of the forbidden fruit as an apple. We hear, where are you? as an angry parent who discovered that their children had disobeyed them because of how we were taught, how we experience, you know, when we've done something wrong and, you know, our parents come in and, what have you done? Reverend Dr. J. Johnson suggested that God could, be, could possibly be asking, 
where are you? Like a concerned parent who cannot find their child because the text doesn't really say that God was angry. Perhaps all the anger is our own projections onto God. What if? What if it was a loving, where are you? Instead of an angry, where are you? Because the text doesn't say. We all have different metaphors for God. right? And when Pauline prayed just now, she used the metaphor of God as our potter. Now think about it. Do you think God, our potter, as one who will cast away when the clay is misformed or when we are broken and just throw it out and make another one? Or God is the potter who will mend us and find ways to mend us with gold? That's a rhetorical question. That's not in the mentee. I want to draw your attention to Adam and Eve. What was Adam's reply to God when God asked, where are you? The response was, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So I want to ask, what emotions or behaviours and behaviours did Adam exhibit here? What emotions did, or behaviours did Adam exhibit here when God came into the garden? Very good. And some of you are even more um, clear, right? Fear, shame and guilt seems to be the ones that are coming out for most of you. There are some embarrassment, one, oh shit, defensive, guilty, hiding, self-judgment. I think that's a very insightful one. Self-frustration, uh, I don't know, shock. Right. Well, no, I got discovered. Self-loathing, being defensive, disgust. I'm not so sure if there's disgust. Um, I'm asking what emotions and behaviours did Adam exhibit here. There's one that says indignant, right? Um, and that may be an emotion that surfaced because later on, uh, Adam says like, the woman you gave for me to be with gave me the fruit and I ate. It almost feels like Adam was blaming God for what happened. Hold that. All of that. Because these behaviours are actually very human. We do that all the time in some ways. I want to highlight the three that I saw, right? I was afraid, fear, because I was naked, shame, and I hid myself, avoidance. Now, here is where I want you to lean into that vulnerability and that, um, and it's safe, right? Because it's totally anonymous what you type in there. In what circumstances have you experienced 
these emotions or behaviours? In what circumstances or in your life that you have experienced these emotions or behaviours? Fear, shame and avoidance. You know. Because I feel those emotions quite often. Right? When I fall short, every negative I go through, to be honest, sexual addiction, not being on par with others, unable to support myself, when criticised by my parents, social situations, fear, shame, and avoidance. Every day. Yeah, I do feel that every day. Just that, you know, maybe I don't remember. But there's... When I started while giving a presentation, when I did something wrong to my loved ones, when I'm being emotionally blackmailed, telling people about my happy life, but people don't like my words. When there's a negative stigma looming over me, nearly any negative situations that I go through. I think it's important to dive some into why, right? Even when, if we are sharing about our happy life and other people don't like it, right? There could be two possibilities. There could be many reasons, right? It could be that it's the wrong circumstance to be sharing it. It could be that actually these people you do not want in your lives because they are toxic. Or it could be that you were rather insensitive you know, during those situations because you know, they were sharing about what they, are, what they are struggling with and then you know, we totally bulldoze over whatever they say. I say, oh, I, I want this thing. You know. I don't know. It is important to dive into and see where we are accountable and where we play a role in it. There's always not, it's always not black and white. Things are never so simple as I am right, you are wrong, or you are right and I'm wrong. It's all a whole spectrum, right? I think the most occasions that we feel fear we feel um, uh, shame and we want to avoid is when we don't feel safe and when we do something wrong. I have avoided people because I've not handled circumstances wisely or compassionately. I could have done better, right? So I'll make detours and avoid bumping into someone I'd rather not bump into because I may have hurt them in the past. And that was what Adam was doing. Adam did something wrong and he was hiding. And so I asked you, when I, before reading the passage, at which point do you think that the relationship between Adam and Eve and humankind and God break? I asked this because when I was going back to this passage writing this sermon, I don't think that the relationship broke at the point of eating the fruit. I don't think the relationship broke at the point of disobedience. That's how we've been taught traditionally, yes. But can you imagine? Can you imagine that someone loves you beyond your imagination? Someone who knows you better than you know yourself. Get angry because you disobeyed a command. 
today's Mother's Day, and I can, I can see a lot of mothers in my life, and a lot of mothers, you know, and their relationships, and they know that their child has done wrong. But their hearts weren't broken because of disobedience. I think what broke the relationship between God and humankind was when Adam and Eve blamed someone else rather than be accountable for their wrongdoing. And knowing how this helps make sense of how we mend this broken relationship, because mending this broken relationship between humankind and God is central to our faith. That's what we've been struggling all this while, trying to figure out how to mend this relationship. How did people in the past, particularly in the Bible, mend their relationship with God? Invite you to think about it. How did they mend their relationship with God? Burnt offerings, overcompensate, fasting, pray, self-flagellate. Good. Some of these things are good, some of these things are not so good. Huh? Sacrifice, obedience. Offer recompense. Donate money, yes. That's one way, right, that they, they give to alleviate their feelings of guilt or try to make good with God in some ways. Sacrificing animals. Sacrifice seems to be the biggest one, right? And then burnt offerings, which is sacrifice. Shedding of blood. Hmm. Yeah. So, one way and one major way, and we have a whole, a huge section of that dedicated to um, making, mending our relationship with God, is in the book of Leviticus, sacrifice. The book of Leviticus has lots of instructions on what to do for different kinds of brokenness, different kinds of offenses in some ways. Then I want to ask you, how on earth does these sacrifices mend or restore one's relationship with God? No, that's not on the, the menti either. How does sacrifice, burnt offerings, you know, or even shedding blood or donating money, sacrificing animals, or fasting restore our relationship with God? How do we make sense of that? So I want to change the perspective a little bit. Maybe easier to grapple, right? When we have a broken relationship with someone, what do we do? When we have a broken relationship with someone, what do we do? Maybe I'll be clearer because some of us will choose to avoid, ignore, forget. When we have a broken relationship with someone and we want to mend the relationship, what do we do? Make restitution, repent, say sorry, apologize, active listening, seek forgiveness, fix it, be the bigger person, 
reach out, right? Love. That should be the biggest one, I hope. Yeah. Try to understand. Try to talk. Empathize. Say sorry. Thank you. Someone also wrote set boundaries. So, when we are the ones who have done something wrong and we have broken that relationship, the biggest word there is apologize. But if really, if we are serious about mending that relationship, actually, it's not just apologizing. It is making amends. And the word amend and make amend being similar is not a coincidence. They are all from the same root word. Making amends is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It goes the extra mile to make things right. By making amends, we, dem- we are clearly demonstrating the difference between how we acted before and how we will behave from now on. Because apologies, I'm sorry, doesn't address the root causes of our choices. We might make the wrong choice for whatever reason, Right? And they do not, apologies don't illustrate our intentions for the future too. We go the extra mile. So back in the past, the sacrifices were that extra mile. Because these sacrifices came at a cost of those who are making that sacrifice. They will feel the pinch economically when they offer up an animal to make up for their wrongdoing, their sins. And I don't want to dive into the part where, you know, some of what, what they might have defined as wrongdoing or sin, we don't agree with. You know, that's, let's put that aside. I'm focused on making amends and how to restore relationships. But then, that sacrifice can be also like an apology it may not be an effort to go an extra mile to make things right. Especially when that one ram that I'm going to sacrifice, I have a hundred. That doesn't feel like a pinch to me. So, going the extra mile should look different. What is that extra mile to someone who has a lot of wealth? Because what if God isn't after the sacrifices that people were making, but actually after something else? Especially when that sacrifice is meant to be something offered up to reconcile, to restore our relationship with God we oftentimes see sacrifice as offering something else in our place, killed in our place. But what if that's not accurate? What if sacrifice from the very beginning is about doing something that will cost us to make up for what we did so that the relationship with God can be mended? And what if, over time, this evolved into substitution? Replacing something else, you know, instead of we being punished, something else is being punished on our behalf. And what if 
this is still problematic because this isn't the kind of restoration God wants. Because in Psalm 51, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you will not be pleased. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. What does God really, 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 really desire from us? A broken and contrite heart. That we know that we did something wrong and we want to make amends. We want to restore that relationship. And that's how we should understand atonement, atonement, the restoration of that relationship. And then let's come back to Adam and Eve. When God asked Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Their response was blaming someone else. The woman whom you gave to be me, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, as though implying that it's God's fault. If God didn't give Eve to be with Adam, then Adam would have never eaten the fruit. And then Eve said, the, 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 the cunning serpent, you know, tricked me. Neither of them held themselves accountable. Is that having a broken and contrite heart? No. A contrite heart means that we are remorseful for what we have done. We are repentant. We want to change. And I want to ask then, why do you think Adam and Eve were not able to hold themselves accountable? Why were they not able to say, sorry, I'm wrong, sorry, I did that, sorry, I disobeyed you? Why? Why do you think Adam and Eve were not able to hold themselves accountable? And perhaps digging into your own personal experience that may help. Why were there times, why were there times that you were not able to hold yourself accountable? Pride. Denial is not a river in Egypt. Denial. Ego. Self-entitlement. Avoid the punishment. Aha. Uh-huh. They are too proud. Not secure in their belovedness to advance the plot. That's as if you're reading like the script of a, of, a, of a movie or something. Fear. Because they couldn't accept the fact that they had messed up, right? Lack of self-awareness. I want to draw some connections between some of the answers that you have. Some of you said they were proud, they were self-entitled. But actually, that pride... Is a cover-up for something underneath. That pride and the self-entitlement actually comes from a place where they were not secured in their identity. They did not trust in their belovedness. They did not trust that God loves them. They did not trust in God's love for them or God's character. 
Of course, they feared punishment. That's true. But because they did not trust in God's love for them, that's why they are afraid of punishment. They were afraid of consequences, for sure. But, but they even feel ashamed. It affected how they saw themselves. And somehow they thought that they weren't worthy of God's love anymore. They didn't believe that God will forgive them if they owned up. They did not believe that God loved them beyond their imagination. And I wonder, does that apply to you too? Because that certainly applies to me sometimes. And yet, and yet, my experience, God will not turn away. Even when we are the prodigal that ran off, God is the parent who instead of turning away, run out to embrace us when we return, when we are remorseful of what we have done. That's the character of God. That's how Jesus tells of God's love in the parable of the prodigal child. I have been blessed to know many parents around me. Not, my, not just my parents, but friends and who are parents themselves. And I see how they raise their children. And I must say, sometimes I'm just amazed of the love they have for their kids, especially to the mothers, you know, today is Mother's Day. And I see the times when their children have done something wrong and I witness how they react. So many times, it is not that the wrongdoing that the parents react to or they are hurt by, they are hurt when their child lie, blame someone else or hide the truth. When their child was unwilling to admit or own up or be accountable for their wrongdoing. That hurts them even more. And to be honest, I think that applies to Pauline and myself as well as pastors. When someone screws up or someone does something wrong in this community, it is not that they have done something wrong that we get affected by. It is when they are unable to be accountable for their actions that's when we are affected. And then, I wonder, what if Adam and Eve had answered God differently? I wonder what would happen thereafter. Maybe you will not be here, right? What if they replied, yes, I ate from the tree that you commanded me not to eat. I am sorry. What kind of God do we believe in? Is it that we believe in a God that will then strike, cast lightning and, zzz, and zap them? Or a God who will embrace them and say, I know, you screwed up and it's okay. Grow from this. And that is holding themselves accountable. And holding ourselves accountable is the first step of making amends. Often, we are not willing to admit our part to play in problems. Often, 
we are not willing to be accountable because of shame. And also, we might not feel safe. We don't trust. We don't have faith. We don't trust that we are loved. We don't trust that things will not change if we admitted it. We don't trust that people will still love us when we are open about it. Somehow we think that God's love is conditional and that we can lose God's love and so we hide, pretend, avoid, lie and do everything except be accountable. Bernie Brown in her book Atlas of the Heart says, people will do almost anything to not feel pain, including, including causing pain and abusing power. Very few people can handle being held accountable without rationalizing, blaming, or shutting down. I experienced all three, right? I rationalize, I start blaming other people, and I shut down. You know, very real to me. And she says, without understanding our feelings, thoughts, and behaviors, and how they work together, it is almost impossible to find our way back to ourselves and to each other. Not willing to be accountable means we are not able to face God or the people around us. That's a shame. That's the awareness of our nakedness in some way. Seeking forgiveness and making amends and how that works is after that, we can hold our heads high, our dignity restored. Dignity isn't something that someone gives to us. It comes from within. Even if the person that we have hurt did not forgive us and go like, you know, you know I don't accept your apology. But when we own up, our dignity re restored. It's something that do, has to do with us. When we repent and pray, I think God has loved us before that and God continues to love us and God probably you know, goes like, great, now you are, you know, now you're able to lift your head high. You know, lift your head high and be in the sun. That's what it is. When we make amends, it does something to us. We get back dignity. And this may get some folks riled up. The opposite of shame is not pride. Pride is a cheap substitute. Pride is not the real thing that will overcome shame. The opposite of shame is dignity. And we get dignity when we... It's, dignity is what we feel about ourselves, that we can be out in the light no longer ashamed of ourselves. And when we try to justify ourselves to others, when we try, we, what we are doing is we are trying to justify things to ourselves. But we know the truth, that we did something wrong. I want to share with you something that um, I come across from um, a psychologist, Samantha Stein. And she shares also something that I resonated very strongly with. When someone I love and care about tells me that I did something that hurt or upset them, my first impulse is to explain, uh, is to show how they are wrong. I want to explain that how they are mis misunderstood. 
I want to help them see it from my perspective so they, have, they can have compassion for my choices. I want to show them that how it can't be that I've hurt them or hurt their feelings because I am a good person with good intentions. Well, when we care about someone, we don't want anything bad to happen to them. We don't want them to feel sadness, hurt and all that. And so the thought that we could play a part in them feeling that way is understandably abhorrent. We cannot fathom that we could hurt someone we love, but we often do. We are invested in thinking of ourselves as good people, so we equate hurting others with being bad. So the idea that our actions might cause harm is distressing because it runs interference with how we think of ourselves. The reality is that all of us hurt each other along the way. And that doesn't make us bad. And so, we carry shame around making mistakes. We have been raised in a culture that says get that where we are rewarded for doing things right, punished for doing something wrong, and instead of having an idea that we learn by doing, so that means that life is a learning process where we refine our choices and actions based on what we have learned. We improve. We can make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But making amends, asking forgiveness, is that opportunity to change. In other words, when we defend and we will defend and justify rather than be accountable. I do that a lot. Defend and justify. And I've learned that defending and justify doesn't do anything for my dignity or how I feel about myself. That sense of shame that I'm a terrible person or a bad person is still there. But when I owned up and became ac accountable, something shifted. Something shifted. And by mending what is broken, I found dignity. And this mending is not armoring up. This mending requires vulnerability. Armoring up is the opposite. Because this mending is like kintsugi. We don't hide the cracks, but actually it brings the cracks to light. Making it, you know, the, where the cracks are, the brokenness is, that's where you know, it's emphasised with gold. Mending requires us to be accountable, and being accountable means that we must be willing to face and understand our choices and actions have imp impacted another person. And when we are not accountable for our actions, we don't do the work of mending, the shame remains. Those of you who are observant, that I started today, the reading today, not from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I started from the last verse of Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse if I'm not wrong, 25, uh, you know, cannot recall. Because it said, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Our initial state 
is one of dignity and not shame. And there will be times that we feel that we're unable to face the people that we're wronged, harmed or hurt. And we feel ashamed and avoid them. And when we avoid, we don't want to meet them. And that may be your experience. There may be someone in church, in this community that you're avoiding. Or there may be someone who's avoiding you. And it could be very possible too, you're avoiding God. Because you're ashamed to face God. And so some people don't come to church. But FYI, God is everywhere. You know, there's no running away. The only way forward that's healthy, that, is, that makes us fully alive, is when we make amends. Because that will restore our dignity in how we see ourselves, not how other people see us then we are no longer ashamed and we can be in the light. Of course, that requires us to feel safe so that we can be vulnerable and acknowledge our wrongdoing and be accountable. So as a community and as individuals, we will need to help people feel safe here. That's the, that's the point of church and community. I'll share with you my experience. There are folks who came and tell me that I thought you were angry with me. They were like, huh? Some tell me that I thought you were angry with me because I, I, wasn't coming, I haven't been coming to church for a while. Then I go like, uh, then you probably don't understand our values and our principles well, right? Because we do not, we love you regardless whether you come once a week or many, many times. Uh, no, uh, or once in a blue moon, we want to care for you. This is what community is not conditional, it's not transactional, right? But rather, it is what they carry in their heads. One of them, you know, perhaps one you know, of their experience was they got me on a bad day and they misread my reactions. And, you know, sometimes I have that raised eyebrow or, you know, um, I may not have a very welcoming face when I'm not smiling. Um, and maybe they read it that I, I, wasn't, I was angry at them. But this is not, but we are not like that. We want to be able to walk with you regardless, to care for you. One person thought I ignored them during lunch. And what I found out later, and I'm glad that this person reached out to me and we cleared the air, was that this person said something. I didn't hear what this person said and I was continuing the conversation with someone else because the reality is, I think some of you may know, I have tinnitus, tinnitus, right? There's a ringing in my ear all the time and hearing what people say, especially in noisy backgrounds, is very, it's very difficult. When I talk to someone, I need to be looking at their face because part of my brain probably reads the lips and I can understand what they are saying. I can make out what the words if it's a very noisy background. But if someone else is talking in the background and talking to me, and I'm not looking at them, that might just be background noise in, in my brain. And so we were able to have that conversation and say, oh, I didn't know. I'm clearly, I, I'm not angry at you. We care for you, we love you, and what gave you the idea? I hope that we are able to create a safe community where people are 
can feel that they are not judged, feel safe enough to come up and say, I thought, no, I feel that you're angry at me. And then we can clarify and clear the air. And maybe I do have some things that I want to point out. But we will work together to mend the relationships. I hope that we can build a community where folks can come and feel that even though they make mistakes, they are still loved and still embraced. Just like how God loves and embraces us in spite of our mistakes. This is who we are. This is who we are called to be. And then, maybe in that space, we learn then to step forward, to make amends, to learn to do so as a community, so that we are able to walk each other towards growth and wholeness in Christ. That's the mending work. I pray that we, are, we all journey together as we do the work of mending our broken relationships. And in that, find reconciliation and atonement with God and with each other. And in what we do, to find those sparks of light, those shards of broken vessels, and to gather them, to bring them together and to repair the brokenness. Because each one of you is a shard of that broken vessel, is that spark of light. And as we gather as community, we are repairing. We are doing the tikkun olam. And that, that kinzugi, that process of kinzugi, that bringing back those, piecing those pieces back, will show the world what God is like. That God's love is unconditional. And that's how we repair the brokenness in the world. We start here in our lives in this community. Let us prepare ourselves for a time of communion with each other and God. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are all not physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Together, God, God of mercy, mercy and justice, be, be with us. We lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love. Because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy, of, of how, how you gave, gave food to the poor, poor clothes to the, to the naked, naked, and shelter to the, to the lost. lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, 
our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, of, of how, how you gave freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner, and those who provided food, shelter, and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts that we are to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In mercy, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night, he was handed over to the unjust systems that killed him. He protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There, he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilt blood every time they drank wine. But that wasn't all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy bread and juice, that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May I invite the stewards to help distribute the elements? For those joining us online now, may be a good time to prepare your own elements. Please hold on to the elements and we will partake for them together.
Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. May I invite you to stand if you are willing and able? Together? God, through this meal, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated. So welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first, realize everyone's equal. So FCC uh, is an inclusive and affirming church, and this means that you are welcome here regardless of your theological position, background, your gender identity, your sexual orientation, economic status, or any other label that the world puts on you. So to our members and those who worship with us regularly, and as well as those who are joining us for the first time, welcome home. So once again, a special greeting to the mothers uh, among us. 
And, uh, and don't forget to, you know, to call or message your mom. Now, uh, I am a mother of two children, and as they have become teenagers, they're less willing to talk to us, their bi biological parents. Um, but that's why we're really grateful for those of you in our community who have been caring for and, uh, and um, caring for them and praying for them. So thanks for being their mothers as well. So my name is Wendy, and I am the service leader for today. Uh, if you are new to our church or this is your first time visiting uh, on site or online, uh, we please leave your details at fcc.ly slash welcome uh, or scan the QR code and uh, a pastor or staff member will uh, you know, reach out to you and connect with you. We also have a newcomers meeting every month. Uh, so the next one is coming up on the 28th of May uh, after service. So if you are interested, um, please email info at freecomchurch.org. And it will also be available. You can also join by Zoom. All right. So um, let's continue to worship God uh, with our uh, offerings. So uh, this is a time for us to uh, remember to express our gratitude and reliance on God. And there are two ways that you can give. So uh, the first way is by pay now, by scanning the QR codes on the screen or on the chairs um, in front of you. And, uh, and so uh, there's two uh, funds. We have one for the general fund, which goes towards uh, operational expenses and salaries of our staff, and, uh, and one for the building fund, which goes towards paying the mortgage on this property. You can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, there is a 1.5% platform fee, but we are grateful for giving in any form. So now uh, let us pray for the offering. In the name and in the spirit of Jesus, we bring our gifts to you, O God. Help us to give with them a ready mind, a willing spirit, and a joyful heart. Amen. So now I invite the stewards to come up and collect the offering. So if you uh, would like to drop cash or a check in a bag, uh, you may raise your hands and our stewards will come to you. So while they're going around, we have some announcements. So the first announcement is that T-Mart is back. Uh, this is our quarterly uh, food collection uh, to support about a dozen uh, transgender elderlies. Uh, and so if, if you want to participate, go to the website, uh, fcc.ly slash t-mart. Um, and you can sign up there and select which items you want to sponsor. Uh, and then we will follow up with you to, um, you know, once we place the order. So the closing date for this uh, drive is 28th of May, and the delivery will occur on the 11th of June. Uh, and if you would like to, if you have any questions or you want to um, volunteer to pack or to deliver, uh, you can contact me. Um, my number is there, or you can email info at freecomchurch.org. All right, so our next um, after-church event um, is a, a hands-on workshop on uh, aesthetic handwriting, uh, and this is led by one of our very talented members. So you can sign up uh, by, again, emailing uh, info at freecomchurch.org, and this is taking place on the 28th of May uh, at 1 p.m. All right, um, so... This, is, this year marks FCC's 20th anniversary. So to commemorate this milestone, we are 
uh, publishing a book that features stories and photos from FCC's history. So um, you can also contribute to that uh, in a few ways. So first is by going to this website, fcc.ly slash 20book, uh, or you can scan the QR code, and there are some questions there, and we invite you to um, respond to them in 30 words or less, and we will select these to put as quotes into the book. And the second way you can contribute is by, um, we, we want to capture a piece of you in the book uh, by, you can take a photo of your hand, uh, crop it to a square, and then uh, uh, name the file with your name or initials, and then send the photo to projects at freecomchurch.org. Uh, and, uh, and here are some examples of, uh, of what you can, uh, how you can pose your hand and, and take a photo. Okay, um, so please, please continue to uh, consider joining the production ministry. Help us make the service uh, available online. So we need volunteers uh, for cameras, for uh, slides, um, for videos, and most of all, for producers. Now, producers are the ones who oversee the team uh, on Sunday service. So, uh, so we really, you know, need need those people. Those overlords <laughs> to help uh, <laughs> make the service possible. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, SEED uh, is sort of the next step into the FCC community after uh, the newcomers meeting. So uh, this, the next one is hap happening starting on the 28th of May. Seems like a lot is happening on that day um, at 12 p.m. And, uh, and this is an opportunity to get to know FCC more, uh, find out what we do, and our history, what we believe. Okay, so again, email us uh, to register for that. All right, and uh, finally, lunch khakis. Uh, so this is an opportunity, especially if you are still fairly new to our church and you want to get to know some of our um, members as well as other newcomers, uh, you can join us. And I believe today's lunch khakis are Angela. She's up in the booth, is that correct? Uh, yes, she's waving. And uh, uh, she will be, uh, and Daniel, I believe, uh, who's one of our staff, yes, in the back also raising his hand. Uh, so do please um, you know, uh, find them in the back if you would like to join them for lunch. All right, now I invite Pastor Pauline to uh, give us a benediction. And now will you rise in body and spirit for the benediction. Holy One, you are the God of brokenness, and restoration. You are the God of love and wholeness, and you constantly draw us with your love. So God, be the one to mend us. Even as we go out into this world, may we be like those wonderful kintsugi bowls with the cracks and the chips that we mended in our lives, May we truly shine with your love for the world. So God, work through us that we may mend the world and others too. So now go. Go as God's people who are loved and who are constantly being mended and molded into God's likeness. And our God, may our God go with you 
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. We'd love to see you again next Sunday on the Sundays uh, ahead of us. And God go with you and God bless you.